still had the depression, but I'd also started to find different avenues, if you like, to try and channel it into something better. I find, personally, that my ongoing battle between life and death and also having been on that knife edge a couple of times now when potentially I should have been dead or very much could have died and always kind of came back from the brink has really helped me look at AI with a different set of eyes than I think a lot of people do. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokshkai Inside Look podcast. Today I'm speaking with Robert Boyd from Glasgow, Scotland, UK. Robert has been training in Niado for over seven years, during which time he's earned the rank of Sandan and has been a member of the UK national team for 2017 and 2018, where he earned a top 16 placement in the European Championships. Additionally, Robert and his students of Roshikai Kensaki Dojo have placed as high as first place in the BKA National Championships. Robert recently completed a 700 cut challenge for Kidney Research UK, bringing awareness to kidney disease and research. Robert himself has gone through nearly two decades of treatment to stay alive and thrive through this debilitating disease. In this fascinating conversation, we speak about the challenges Robert has had to go through while also demonstrating the potential for strength and resilience in the human spirit. Robert is an inspiration and I hope we can all learn from his example. So without further ado, here's Robert Boyd. Hello everyone, my name is Robert Boyd. I'm based in Scotland, in Glasgow. been doing the idol for just over seven years now. I joined uh, Kinsaki Dojo in Glasgow by accident, basically. I tried something different and that started my idol life and became pretty much my entire life now. started training with my first teacher when I joined the dojo. It was quite a fledgling dojo with only a couple of members and eventually has became probably the biggest dojo in Glasgow at the moment. It's been an interesting journey, personal journey for myself mainly, and uh, EI has really helped change my life effectively. So I, I discovered EI looking to buy Japanese swords. I collect Japanese swords and armour and have done for many years and basically was looking on Gumtree in the UK for any arms and armour and I'd seen the advert for Kinsaki and it was not far from my home so I thought I've always been interested in samurai culture and I'd never done many martial arts. I tried a couple as a kid, karate, judo and stuff and it never interested me in that sense in the combat side and I seen that Eido was non-contact. At that point in time I'd been suffering from renal failure, my kidneys had failed and any sort of contact sport was not able to happen. So that's when I decided I'll try this and really just thought this might be cool to swing swords. That was my basic knowledge from what I'd seen. And I went to the dojo, done two or three classes and was absolutely hooked. Everything about it appealed to me. The serenity of the dojo, the personal challenges it gave and my original sensei had said to me, the words that the invisible enemy is the negatives and you're cutting away at it to overall make yourself a better person and that really hit home with me at that point the struggles of my illness I had a lot of anger a lot of frustration and it was a good place for me to vent and also to focus on something completely different at that point in time in my life apart from my wife and my kids I had very little social life and depression was quite heavy and that that opened up a whole whole new world for me and allowed me to express myself in an environment that I didn't ever think that I would be 
so yeah, it became quite a journey for me personally from then. I've always enjoyed the dojo social life as it is and meeting new people and getting to experience other people's stories and lives. I've very rarely found in my short time that everybody has a general reason for being part of martial arts in general, but especially an EI. There always seems to be a very different reason for being part of it. And I, I like that. It was quite individual and I could basically use it for myself in a selfish manner but also through time started giving back. At the moment, I run the dojo that I originally joined over seven years ago. Uh, it has passed through a few hands before it got to me. And at this point in time, being a teacher and not just a student has heightened that again. So now I get to kind of pay back from what I got personally from it. So it was an interesting period in my life at that point in time. And it majorly helped me focus on getting the frustration out. So I became a lot more calmer in daily life, which was a massive surprise to myself. My family noticed pretty much straight away there was, there was a great difference in how I was conducting myself. My anger had basically leveled out to a place where twice a week I'd train for two hours each night. And that set me up for the rest of the week. I could always look forward to that period in time in the dojo where I could release any sort of frustration or any anger I'd built up towards mainly my illness. At 15 years old, I was told that basically I had had renal failure and it was in the the last stage and uh, pretty much there was nothing more they could do for me. This was noticed by complete accident. At the time, I'd went for a diabetes test and through the blood results, they'd, they'd, they'd found that my kidneys had failed. Strangely, I I didn't have any symptoms. Perfectly fine, normal 15-year-old boy, doing normal things, nothing peculiar, didn't feel sick. Had nothing basically shown that I was seriously ill at the time. And being 15 years old, being pretty stubborn to the fact that this was a, a real thing. So when I'd originally been told, they had took me by ambulance straight into the hospital and I'd spent probably three or four months in hospital, effectively dying. And they'd sent a minister at some point, pretty much telling me that they asked me to come in and issue your last rights. Uh, and at 15 years old, you never expect to hear anything like that. So being quite stubborn, as I, I've always been quite stubborn, I, I kindly asked them to remove himself in so many words. And basically that was it. I'd made my mind up. Uh, I wasn't going to down without a fight. This wasn't going to kill me. And somehow over the next two months, three months, uh, kidneys had regenerated slightly. A massive infection had been cleared that was in my kidneys. And I was left with 20% of my kidney function left and had been told that I would have to have renal dialysis, etc., which we'll hint on as I get to that in my, in my story. Uh, but 15 years, that 20% function lasted and slowly deteriorated till just at the start of 2016. And at that point in time, I gave up. That was it. My fight was over at that point. I had spent those 15 years. I'd, I'd met my wife. Uh, I'd, I'd had my, my two lovely kids. And mentally, I had prepared for death. And that was going to be it. This is it. I'm going to die young. I've done my job, I've been a good dad, I've shown my kids the best I can do. My daughter was really young still at this point. My son was a bit older. 
I'd been honest to my wife from day one when we got together that this is a potential thing that, that's going to happen. If you want out, now's the time. And she stuck by me through thick and thin. Absolute rock for me personally. My wife has been, she's also battled this as well as myself. So although it's happening to me, it still happened to my family. And basically at that point in time, I had to start dialysis. I had previously operations in my left arm to create what's called a fistula. So it's basically like a super vein. It's a vein and an artery joined together. And that's where they would put the needles to basically drain my blood through a machine, clean it and put it back in. And that would happen three days. But I'd done night time, so I could still be a stay-at-home father when my wife worked. So I would do late evenings three times a week to have that done for four hours at a time. Still training an EI. At that point, I was training with one arm because I couldn't risk damaging my left arm. Adamant that I wasn't giving up. I'd actually reached out to some other teachers in the UK asking... Is this possible? Can people train with one arm? And I was glad to find out that there is people out there that can do it. So I was still in the dojo once a week, training, doing as much as I could with one arm, trying to do a sayabiki with my, my segio wrapped around my left arm, rather than using my hands so I didn't damage any operation or any site in my arm that I'd been using for dialysis. And luckily, eight weeks into dialysis, I had a phone call telling me they had a deceased donor transplant ready for me. Get to the hospital. I'd got to the hospital within like half an hour. No thoughts, considerations, just go. That night, I had done two hours last dialysis and had my transplant during the night. I think the operation was about four hours long. Next morning... I woke up quite hazy to the meds and stuff that I'd been put on, but felt just a completely different person in sense of my health. And it was at that point I'd realised just how bad my health had been during the period of time beforehand. But because it had just became normal that I'd, I'd felt like that, I also had lost a lot of weight. I was about seven and a half stone pre-transplant. I'm quite a slender person, always have been. But if you look at any of the photographs, if anybody's on my Facebook or anything like that, or even on some of the, the social media I post, there is pictures there where you can see the transformation physically in myself. And instantly, that was it. Five days in the hospital, released. I was in the dojo that week. Again, uh, I think it was 400 stitches holding my guts back in and 32 staples. And was in the dojo, adamant that I would train somehow and was kindly told to take some time off. But yeah, I was in there just for the social aspect, lending a night in a dojo, looking for that social conduct. So at that point in time, physically, I was better in the sense of my health. And it was about that time that my mental health took a real blow. And EI has helped me through that and helped me to deal with that side of things. As I'd said, for 15 years, I'd effectively prepared myself for death. And with the transplant from my donor, unfortunately, I'll never be able to thank for, for saving my life. I said to myself, right, I'll live the best life I can. But mentally, it was very hard to live when you've prepared yourself for death. Very, very much so. So... I've always been interested in samurai and the culture. So a lot, of, a lot of the books I've read and different things, obviously a lot of people listening will have read samurai texts, etc. about the preparation for death, constantly be prepared 
to die and you can live. Well, it's that having lived that, if you like, it's not that simple. So having a chance at life with no real set goals or future planned, just in case, I'm now left in a situation where I have to set myself goals and I have to set myself new challenges. And AI has basically created a different side of it now. So I've been balancing my battle at the start and I've kind of won. But now I have to then face other challenges in the future. Also, the high chance at some point during my life, at the moment I'm 33, 34, next week, I believe, I'll probably have to go through all this again at some point. They say a kidney roughly should last five years. Anything else is a bonus. I'm in my fourth year now, and everything's stable and working, which is fantastic. And as long as my health remains, I'll continue on the path. But yeah, I know is there for me as a preparation for the inevitable coming again. And because I've been through that battle, I'm far more prepared mentally and physically for it when it comes. But it can be quite a dark cloud hanging over. So I always try and use my EI as a, as a way to challenge myself. And also, if any frustrations still come, vent through that. Using that as a more of a meditative type EI now rather than before it was very much just physical and just venting frustration and cutting too hard all of the time and having that real physical exertion. And now I can basically be more zen type EI, which I'm really liking, but I still haven't lost that spiritual aggression side. And the more I've got an EI through time, I realise that these things are really good for adapting for EI and the concepts and how to transfer my own personal battles, my own personal feelings and thoughts into different things that can then basically help in my journey through EI. So now a student at John Honus Green Sensei, Rocco Dan Renshi, and have a bright future ahead. I plan hopefully to be in Japan as soon as possible to visit our head teacher. Honda Masayoshi Sensei, Kyoshi Sevenstan. And hopefully get to visit Japan. It's always been a dream of mine. So now I'm looking to get there. We are planning November, but due to current circumstances, everything's a bit all over the place. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great. And the group I'm training with is a real family unit. So we are the, part of the Tokyo Adachi Roshikai UK group. And five or six, do- six dojos in the UK. And having that family who reach out and help and also I can help them. It's been fantastic that I've got such a, a social structure built. Yeah, it's, it's been an absolutely amazing journey. I've had trials and tribulations. It just seems like a very individual thing for me. I've, I've had a lot of friends uh, throughout the world that I've met during European Championships. Thankfully, I, I managed to represent the UK in uh, 2017 and 2018 in Turin and in Poland as part of the UK team. And having that fuller aspect, that worldwide, if you like, aspect has been absolutely fantastic. Met many great friends, many people who have asked about me and my story or just shown interest. has been absolutely fantastic to have that big network of people. So for me personally, that takes away from what I've seen as a very long journey. And people having that interest has then led to me being, being far more vocal and more open about my personal challenges, whereas before I was very sheltered, didn't admit that I was ill, if you like, to myself and others, whereas now I'm, I'm quite 
quite happy to speak about it, quite happy to share any sort of part of my story or anything where I've, I've dealt with my mental health problems and stuff like that. And how AI has just really changed the aspect of things for me. I suppose martial arts in general could do that. But in my personal opinion, being only from an AI background, it's been very enlightening, I think is the best word for me to see so many good people being part of something that can support people, even from afar. I still receive messages and comments uh, from, from many people I've met at European Championships that I've only maybe met once. And since then, we, we keep contact and we always like to see each other whenever we can. This year, obviously, has been a bit strange for everyone. So hopefully next year, if things get back to normal, get to see people again, get to travel on the European circuit, hopefully again at some point, and get that chance to not just represent your country and EI, but also to be part of something much larger. Getting to, to train with the, the Hatchidan Hanshi, getting to see different schools of EI, different people's techniques, different people's situations, and how they've transferred that into the EI. It's been really good for me, so I've been able to take what I've learned and see it in other people and through speaking to them socially, understand that other people's struggles or lives in general have a big impact on how, how their character comes across in AI. So I always like to, when I'm at the dojo, even my own students, I like to watch and I can tell if they're frustrated and I can tell things because I feel it myself. And you get to be able to try and balance that and, and sort of teaching as well as sort of advice you can give. And there's always a case of, if you want to speak at any point, I'm here for you. It doesn't need to be about EI. I'm almost very open to any my students or anybody in general. If they want to talk, I'm happy to lend an ear and talk about EI, talk about life in general. I became more of a counsellor for myself through time. And from that, I'm able to try and transfer my journey to help other people. And lately I've done a challenge for, for Kidney Research UK. I usually take part in, it's a, they call them bridges walks. So basically it's like a, a 5k or 10k walk across uh, the bridges in UK cities, being in Glasgow. Me and my family have done it before. And with this year, we haven't been cancelled due to COVID. They came up with an idea, everybody to create their own challenge whether it was cutting down the stairs as many times as you could or skip, run, walk, whatever it was. So I've I seen a, a loophole for something completely different. I thought, I'll try 700 cuts and see how much money we can raise. I've never done 700 cuts in a row. And I thought, you know, let's just go. Let's try this. So I've raised just short of £1,000 at the moment. And last Saturday, I partook in a challenge and live-streamed on Facebook. I did plan to do it without stopping. There was a couple of moments to take a breather and get the blood in at the arms again, but we completed it, got it done. Huge amount of support from all over the world. They've been brilliant. I did explain to them, money is secondary at this point for me. If I can raise funds, fantastic. But really, it's about the awareness of kidney disease in the UK, because that's what the charity was. But in general, a lot of people, for me, especially with AI, which it can be quite physical, a lot of people who may not partake in AI don't maybe see it as physical. But it, obviously, it can be. If you've done Caesar for long enough, you'll soon know. But yeah, I don't look ill. And that was my constant thing come towards me. Like, you don't look, you're sick. Oh, well, I'm really sick. And I've got a chronic illness that effectively, unless something else kills me, 
will kill me one day and I've got a constant battle against it. So yeah, it was mainly about raising awareness in the UK, which has then spread further afield. Uh, I've got a, a lot of friends in America, etc., and Europe that contacted and been brilliant support, just reaching out, saying, well done, excellent. So my idea was one person learns something different, that this invisible disease, if you like, is actually really bad. Then I'd done my part, if you like. Uh, so yeah, it's been... It's been a strange journey, kind of coming to the end of it at this point in regards to my health journey and now moving forward into a very different feeling for me personally. That's just over four years in July, I had my transplant. In 2017, I had some complications and I had to have my kidney removed and re-implanted. And I think four months later, I was competing in Turin at European Championships, the manager at the time. Carol Gibbons-sensei had said, if you can get there, you're in. So I made it a point of being there and done okay. I didn't win anything, but it wasn't about winning for me. It was being able to be part of that journey again and getting in. At the point, I wasn't feeling fantastic. It was a real blow mentally because I thought to myself, potentially this is this kidney will fail quickly now because there's been a complication. Thankfully, that didn't happen. And having that opportunity to represent my country and represent my dojo, myself, my sensei, it dragged me forward again and made, gave me that goal to drive towards. I further then went to represent again in 2018 in Poland as part of that. Done better at that point. I was a newly appointed Sandan. Uh, I'm still Sandan at the moment. Hopefully, if things go well, challenging for Yondan next year. And I, I actually done better because... I had, I had less pressure on myself. I was feeling in a lot better place. And I got to just enjoy it far more because I'd met everybody and people were so great at welcoming back people that you thought hadn't remembered you. And it's just amazing the impact you can have on people and also the impact they have on you and the community of the idol. Trained under some fantastic people, met so many great students of the art, just had that ability to then move myself forward. So past year or two, I took a step back for competitive EI and been focusing on the teaching side of things at the dojo, giving me time to basically train as well as bring up my students. At the last year's nationals, two of my students took gold and the EQ and the Shodan group at the BK British Nationals. Somehow managed to get silver myself at the time in the Sandan group and one of my other students got uh, bronze in the Nidan category as well. So I'm transferring what I've learned back through the dojo and also quite heavily lead for the front, which is something I've learned myself. Just put yourself out there and pass that on to the students. For two of them, that was their first nationals. And I, I just... But you can do it, just go and do it. If you win, you win. If you don't, it's all the experience. Which then set them on a the path. They both then went on to represent the UK last year. So they got a chance to then take on that next stage in the path. So I've went from the student to the teacher to just try and impart knowledge on other people. And a lot of my personal battles and story that have been open in the dojo about with the guys has drove them to seek bigger goals Well. They could easily just enjoy the social aspect of EI, the, the hobby side of it, if you like, and just train and grade. And that's something I don't always push people towards, like gradings and stuff. If, if you just enjoy EI, enjoy the social aspect, fantastic. 
that's that's a great thing. If you do want to push the envelope and grade and challenge yourself to national competitions or the European Championships, etc., then brilliant. We'll, we'll, we'll push the envelope. We'll go for it. We'll train hard. And a lot of my personal experiences allowed me the, the experience in life to be able to lead, if you like that. And that's helped me having that sort of weight on my shoulders, if you like, the responsibility of others, which then pushes me forward. So the teaching side of things now has allowed me a different challenge so I can move forward with that. And thus my students then can see that and I'm quite happy to then move forward with them. Whereas at a point in time after my transplant, I wasn't quite sure where I sat in things. I was quite mixed up, trying to sort myself out mentally. And from my students, basically their enthusiasm has drawn me forward to where I'm at at the moment, which is a really good place in, in my journey personally for myself and in EI, which has been the biggest thing for me. So if anybody ever asks me about Yido or what's that what's that sword thing you do, which I get quite a bit. I live in Glasgow, as I mentioned. Glasgow has a, a very bad reputation for knife crime. Always has. It's always been quite a rough city in Scotland. And I live in the east end of Glasgow, so the east side. And it's always been the rough area to live in. So growing up, there was a lot of knife crime, murders, drugs, everything. So coming from that harsh environment, into something so peaceful, if you like, and the combative side. I've adapted quite well to how it is in EI, and a lot of my students are from the same backgrounds or slightly different backgrounds. So we've built our own niche into how we can move forward and create our own better versions of ourselves, ultimately. You can't change a bad character. If somebody's bad, and you know, that's fine, but people become something a bit different when they train on the idol. So I'm always quite vocal about what it is, how the effects are, what's the, the positives, how you can use it to adapt to daily life. So you may not have a sword in your hand, but you can use the concepts, the teachings, the mindset to be a lot more driven in life, a lot more goal-orientated, a lot more calmer. Even if you're at your job and you're frustrated that your boss is annoying you or another employee or worker, you can definitely separate yourself and calm down a bit or right, or keep that frustration or use it in the dojo. A lot of people have reacted really well to that. So in Glasgow at the moment, I'm, I'm working alongside a lot of the, the local councillors and the politicians and trying to drive forward what EIDO is. Recently, obviously, was in the newspaper here in Glasgow for my challenge that I've done for kidney research. But we've also reached out to the newspapers as well who've done stories on us to share different aspects and show people can train in a weapons art without being classed as madmen or dangerous people and stuff. Especially in Glasgow, as I say, it's quite a quite a rough city. It always has been quite known as that. Still can be. But being based in the roughest area of Glasgow, it's something very different for a lot of people. So we're trying to make it more welcoming for different people and get people in and get them to experience it. So we actually had two local councillors and politicians in, them with a couple of hoking and showed them some moves and they were massively surprised at how difficult it is to cut a karaoke properly and also the feeling in the dojo when people are practising. Socially, we can all have a good talk and whatnot. 
But when we bow in, it's a very different place. I've trained in local community centres, schools, and although it's different locations and different feelings, when the class starts, you could be anywhere, and that feeling of a dojo, serenity is there, and that work ethic is then used by everybody. So it's been good to see outsiders from the art coming in and instantly noticing that without being forced to notice it, if you like, or having to really, really explain it. So I was quite surprised when we brought in different people who have seen instantly how different things can be. So at the moment, we're, we're trying to change some minds, personally, for myself, on what it is, what is the idol. It's always been quite a niche martial art in Scotland compared to some other martial arts. Everybody seems to know karate or judo, etc., kung fu. When you tell people you practice an EI, they go, what's that? And you have to then try and break into some sort of civil explanation for people, which is quite hard. So having it more public has helped us to then reach out to people. So at the moment, I've got about 15 students, give or take, which is, which is brilliant to have such a reach. We've got students from the Glasgow area, from just outside Glasgow. We've also got students from abroad who have moved to Glasgow and have become part of our family network and we've accepted them. And it's given them that social aspect that they may have needed to basically settle into the city. And between my dojo in Glasgow, our dojo in Edinburgh, and the other side of Scotland, we've got one in the Scottish Borders, and we've one in Sussex and one in Dartford, just outside London in the UK. We've got a really strong network of different people, different work ethic. And as a group, trying to reach out to people and tell what EI is, and it's different things that you can get from it. So having done my stuff with kidney research, using my story to spread awareness of the illness that I suffer with, but also giving people that EI is there, it's a good thing. Hopefully it can reach to people who, who may need something that they can do, whether it be non-contact, or just looking to have more social aspects. Uh, and let's face it, just do something pretty cool, because swimming salts is it's always good fun. I've always had a really good fun aspect with it in that regard and always try to keep that as part of something. So very serious, has to be done correctly, et cetera, et cetera. But there still needs to be an element of enjoyment involved in it. And that's something that I always try and remember because it's easy to get bogged down in the hard training when you're doing it, that you should actually still be having some sort of fun while you're doing it, although you're being serious and you're trying to fight for these goals. But having some sort of element of fun in there, it's still that you enjoy it. I think that's something myself that I'd found. It stopped being fun at one point, and I was like, okay, I need to change something here. I'm not enjoying this as much as I should. How do I change that? And I managed to get the mindset changed and going to Europe to take part in the European Championships and stuff. Definitely added a different element. It was fun. It was good to have compete, something to compete against. So that was how I found to get my enjoyment. But it's something I always say at the dojo is to the guys, look, we should enjoy this. There should be some sort of element of enjoyment here. It's not a military thing. Or not, you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here, but you should definitely try and enjoy it as best we can, which we always do. We always, we always manage to have a lot of fun when we can, obviously treating the utter respect that it deserves, but also making sure that everybody's in a good place in the dojo so that they can get the most out of EI, the other side of EI, your personal journey, but socially still have some sort of fun as well. So at the moment, basically in a happy place, 
in my journey, look forward to the future and hoping as soon as life returns to normal and seminars reopen and we can get back to some sort of normal and, and con- training again, keep that into the dojo, the spirits, not just for my dojo, but in general in, in the EI world and we can all support each other to make sure that we, we enjoy what we're doing and also that we can keep that love for what it is. So I really hope that's something we can all find again. I know at the moment we're all very much quite stuck in a position where everything's out of our hands. So it'll be good to see when normality does return that we get to see everybody again and we can have that enjoyment of EI and that love, eh, the martial art that we do throughout. But yeah, that's pretty much my story in quite a long version. (laughs) No, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. I feel like you're a really great example of where the martial arts is something where the more you give, the more you get back. This is such a great example because you joined it, you found that you needed something to help make you more physically strong. You used it as a way to do that. And then you put in the effort and then became part of the national team. You needed something to change your mind, to get you out of your depression. You needed some social aspect. You got that and now you're giving back. You're trying to create that environment where others can also enjoy it. And then you became a sensei and then you're now promoting the art and you're now showing people like what it's all about. So it's such a great example of showing when you put in the effort into the martial arts practice, it gives you something that you really need and then you naturally give back. And yeah. it's so clear that you're giving so much back now. So thank you so much. No, no problem. For no sharing. problem at all. And as yeah. I always say that to my students, you get back what you put in. It, it may seem hard sometimes at the dojo when you've been asked constantly maybe cover one individual kata, your, your own struggle within that, but you always will get back what you put in. And that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm, I'm feeling that love back, if you like, the love that I gave to the art, I now can have back in return. Uh, and it's massively motivating for me personally. And that's why I reached out about my story and stuff, because it may not be EI-based, some people just might need to hear something that goes, you know what, that's quite inspiring. And that can then move them towards something, which, as I say, if, I, if anything I do helps anybody else, I'm very, very happy with that. Yeah, so let's actually, I want to fill in some details where within your story, just to give a little more description yep. to each thing. So we talked about how we know martial arts helps your body, your mind, and your spirit. So your body, you were weak, you were suffering from that disease, you had to build up muscle, you were getting very skinny. Your mind, you, you said that you were both the depression and both your mindset towards the practice had changed over time, you had to kind of figure that out. And then spirit, what is the meaning for your life if you didn't have a life? <laughs> if you didn't yeah. have a future, what was worth living for besides your family? Like this gave you something. So I want to dig into each one of those. Maybe yeah. starting with the body aspect. What specifically does this kidney disease do to the body? What makes it hard for you to do anything physical? And then how did you overcome that when you started the Yado practice? So basically, each person is slightly different and how, how it can affect them. Massive amounts of fatigue, getting out of bed in the morning, sometimes a massive struggle. You're on a lot of medication for different things. I think before my transplant, I was on about 20 different drugs for multiple things, high blood pressure, anemia, you name it, things were going wrong. Growing up, I didn't realise your kidneys were that important. I just thought they were another organ in your body and who cares what they do? You're young, (laughs) everything's fine. But uh, basically... I think a lot of people understand that the kidneys 
urine passes through them, the bladder, and then you basically urinate. Uh, but it actually cleans your blood. So what happens is when the kidneys fail, all of that poisonous stuff that you would usually urinate out circles back into your blood supply and poisons your own blood. So effectively, you're poisoning yourself by accident. So it creates massive amounts of fatigue, just real sickness in general, lack of appetite, pretty much. It just wears away at you. So physically, a lot of people tend to get bigger and it's water weight effectively. So the body just swells. Fortunately for me, I was very slim and always have been quite slim built. I actually ended up going backwards. So I lost weight and the doctors at the time had told me that was actually a good thing because if I got bigger, the kidneys would work harder and then it would deteriorate faster. So throughout that period of time, slowly became worse and worse to a point where just waking up in the morning was a mammoth task. Barely eating any food, just couldn't stomach food, constant infections in the urine and stuff like that. Every day felt like an absolute struggle to be alive and trying to keep moving through that was, at the time, quite normal. As I said, I kind of became used to that, that feeling in my life. But it became more prevalent as time went on. As I really got to the end of my fight, I had to admit to myself, you know, the only way forward now is going to be dialysis. And effectively, dialysis is life support. If you don't have dialysis, you may only last two weeks and you'd be dead. The poison in your blood would kill you. So having to move to dialysis was really my only hope. And there is people there that will be on it for the rest of their lives. They may not be able to have a transplant due to complications or certain things. I know some people have been on it personally. I speak to them over 10, 20, 30 years living out of a hospital and that's their life. So at that point in time, I had, I had no motivation. I was still at the dojo. I was still training. I was trying my best and I, I had to give up. The fight was over for me. I couldn't physically do it anymore. Mentally, I was still very much in a place where I could fight on mentally, but physically I just couldn't do it. So I became very, very frail. I was about seven and a half stone in weight. You could have broke me with your hands. I was just so so weak. It was a hard time at that point when I had to then realise just how bad I was. It just eats away at you very much. So you either end up with a lot of water weight and it causes breathlessness and just a whole range of symptoms. Or in my case, I'd end up really frail, really weak. And again, just a whole, whole range of different symptoms. Different people at different stages suffer different things. It's actually a very complex disease, which is one of the reasons I've done like, the challenge that I've just done and stuff, just to raise awareness so people might look into it a bit more or ask questions. What is it? You know, and that's shown that sort of... In, in the article, I'd put a picture of myself, my wife up, and then a, a before and after, and it's like two different people. You wouldn't know it was me unless you'd known me for a long time. It's a strange disease and that sense of things. It was just the weakness and uh, the physical ability to keep going for me eventually. But it just grinded, grinded away at the body, just every aspect of it, basically. So when people think about starting additional physical activity, it's meant to build up your body strength and stuff. But in this case, was Eido helping to maintain your physical ability? Was it actually accelerating the deterioration because you were already sick? Like, how, how did that impact your body when you were practicing? Well, when, when I joined, physical buildup wasn't even like, part of it for me. When I became hooked, if you like, and thought, right, this, this is amazing, this is brilliant. 
it was a, just a constant mental thing for me. If I didn't feel great and I knew I physically couldn't keep up as much as I wanted to, I would just push the envelope and keep going and just keep trying to be there. And maybe for two days after it, just flatlined, in bed, sore, muscles were non-existent. And it did help build up some sort of physical strength to keep going. But at the time, the physical side of things really wasn't a goal for me. Since then, it has massively, you know I mean, it's, it's helped keep me rehabilitated, if you like, physically to keep moving and mobile. So looking back, it helped a lot in physically keeping me going, which was obviously a key thing as well as mentally. But at the beginning, it was very much just a mental journey for me. And I wanted to keep my mind occupied and keep my mind in a good place. But definitely, it did help to build, build up the muscles. It did help to keep me mobile. And it gave me that, that activity that I needed in life. Before that, I, I was I was sitting in the house, barely ever leaving the house. I'd maybe go out and go and do some shopping or maybe visit my, my family and stuff. But I, I didn't have any physical abilities. I had no sports. When I was a kid, I played football, etc. Done nothing anymore. Basically just sat as a couch potato in the house, either playing the computer or watching stuff on TV. So it gave me the physical aspect there that I could become a bit more active. And it, and it did it did help because it helped lower my blood pressure. And at the time I had massive high blood pressure problems. And it helped that as well because I'd been basically physically active and not just laying in the house every day in my life. Let's talk about the the next part of it. Like you had to first overcome this lack of muscle because you hadn't been able to build it up and you hadn't had physical activity. Then you said that you got into a state approaching the end of just before you got the transplant that you had mental issues and depression. Could you talk a bit about what was going on there and then how did your practice help you overcome such a thing? Was it just a practice? Was it some people telling you things? Was it a particular experience? Well, at the point, I had basically got into a dark place. EI for me had just became a thing I'd done. I'd lost that spark, if you like. And my sensei at the time was trying to motivate me. It just wasn't working. I was just too far flung. I just started getting a dark place within myself. I kind of felt that I was nearing the end of my life, if you like. And I was fighting this acceptance. I was prepared in the sense of if, if I'd went to hospital and they told me, right, that's it, it's over. Okay, that's fine. And that's a bad thing to be prepared for, but I would have happily accepted that and been able to go, right, okay, that's fine. But it was grinding really away at my mental aspect. The concentration and practice in EI just wasn't there. And basically, I was trying to find myself again. And I started then looking at different things. I took part in the national championships in the UK. You know, I need to try something different. And it was the first time I'd went, and I came in second place at Nidan. And the spark changed a wee bit. I was like, oh, right, that, 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 was, that was exciting. And I found that excitement that I could then take back to the dojo. And that started to then really motivate me that I thought, you know what, I can do something different. It's not just doing kata relentlessly in the dojo. There's a different aspect. So, so that helped to change my mindset. Uh, and I'd had a conversation with Chris Mansfield sensei, Naradan Kyoshi, and I asked him at a seminar, the competition side's very different, and he'd said this, like, it's up to you how you approach it. It's very different for everybody. And I'd explained to him, like, well, I really want to go into this more. And he's like, there's nothing stopping you, just do it. 
And I was like, right, okay. So I just went and that started really motivating me to get that spark back in my eye, winning something. The win's not important to me at all, but just having that recognition nationally really went, well, okay, I, 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 I'm getting somewhere. Whereas I think everything had just came to a, a hole where I thought, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. Life's just getting me down. I'm not feeling it the way I should at the dojo. And then just started coming together. So a few different changes to the scenario seemed to really build me up. But at that point, as I say, I was in a really dark place with depression. So I still had the depression, but I'd also started to find different avenues, if you like, to try and channel it into something better. I used to run about that time, that's when I started looking at competitive EI and stuff. And, and that really started to change my mindset on what it was I was supposed to be doing for myself. I've always kind of preached the uh, EI is very selfish in a way, because you need to take something to actually be involved in it. But then ultimately it, it comes full circle and you give back. But I had to find where I sat in a grand spectrum of things. And because of what I was dealing with in my personal life, it really put a block on how I approached the eye. And just, as I say, changing a couple of things and, and just reaching out to some people and, and speaking to different teachers and, and just students in the dojo, friends. All my students are classed as friends rather than students. The formal student thing, yeah, that's fine. But I always try and have a friendship, if you like, with my students. So I don't see them as that. Obviously, we say students and sensei, et cetera, et cetera, for the formalisation of things. But... I see them as like a family, so they really pushed me even, oh, that's really good, you've done this, what's next? And I was like, well, what's next? And then after my transplant, that's when I really started gauging up the European Championships and how can I be involved and fighting, if you like, to win a place in the team to represent my country, represent myself, the dojo, my sensei, everything kind of, it became a drive to get that spark back. So that really helped my mental situation in EI and, and at home because it gave me that other goal that I needed to kind of drag me forward. And that's still a very big part of what I do is if ever I feel like I come to a part where I feel like I'm stuck, I'll try and find a way around it or we'll look at a different aspect of EI and go, well, that's more challenging. I'll, I'll try that. And if I'm good at it, that's fine. If, if not, then at least I'm, I'm trying to find a way to broaden my horizons. So around about that time, that, that really helped uh, personally in, in my life and also how I felt in the dojo at the time as well. I love the way how you described it because yeah, in everyone's practice, you're always going to find some kind of block and you can't just power through it like you can't and you can't sit in it. So you have to find other ways out. And in this case, because you practiced, you knew that with same thing with your mental health, you can't just sit in it or try to push through it. You need to explore other ways, other methods and other paths. The final thing I wanted to ask you is in Iaido, probably even more so than most martial arts, because it's individual, because it's just kata practice, that understanding that everything we do is life and death. And the Iaido kata themselves describe scenarios where it is life and death. But very few people have experienced it, so really understand what that means. How do you think your understanding of life and death uh, has helped you understand concepts in EI or helps you approach EI in a different way that uh, allows you to succeed? I find personally that my ongoing battle between life and death and also having been on that knife edge, if you like, 
couple of times now when potentially I, sh- I should have been dead or very much could have died and always kind of came back from the brink I feel like has really helped me look at AI with a different set of eyes than I think a lot of people do and similar personal battles and stuff uh, and uh, a couple of teachers at Lembean Sensei and stuff in the UK we, we've had really in-depth chats about that sort of when the mortality is tested very few people can relate to that unless they've, they've really been in that situation. And I think any AI, when it, when even just in Qatar, or just the approach to it, understanding that reference, if you like. So if you take the combat scenario out, where if you don't draw quick enough, you're dead. Or if you don't do this technique, etc., then potentially you're dead. Having that mindset moving into it, whereas you're dead already, so you need to win to try and come back from the dead, if you like. That's kind of where I approach it from. Rather than walking in the scenario, commit fully and win. There is no doubt. You can't go in and might not win. And obviously, being a very solo art, it's very hard to visualise techie. It's very, very hard to visualise that opponent. And for me, it's, it's not about an opponent, it's about the, the structure of how you think about the kata or in general in the eye, even with some of the concepts like semi and tami and, and different things. Like academically, I can read stuff on paper and go, ah, right, okay, that makes sense. Or I'd maybe need to delve into that a bit more. But sometimes I'll read something or I'll be taught something from my sensei and I'll go, oh, so that's like such and such. And he'll go, yeah, and I'll take it for a different perspective than a lot of people might normally take it. But I very much treat it as you're dead already, you need to win type style of fighting BI. There has to be that indomitable will to win to make it out of this fight alive or just trying to contain that scenario by your actions, obviously, in kata, they're, they're predetermined which is quite hard as well. So like one of my students jokingly asked a while back, is there a cat of a wee die in it? You know, and I was like, no, we win all the time, you know, which is interesting because that showed his mindset. And if we're going to win, then how do you then have that mindset of trying to win when you already believe you've won? So that's when I tried to explain my side of things. Then if, if you treat it like you're already losing, and there isn't a predetermined win or lose, you have to show that through your actions or your spirit or your character. Something has to project to a room. Training for the European Championships and training my guys when they were going to European Championships as well, that's something I really said. Your understanding of the kata is your understanding, but you must project to the wider audience that it's believable you feel some connection there. If you're just robotically doing kata, that's what it looks like. There has to be a projection of some sort of belief in what's actually happening. To believe that, you actually need to visualise something that you can believe. So for me personally, I envision it's I'm already losing, then I need to win, rather than going in with a predetermined kata concept that you're going to win anyway, which is, I think, quite a hard battle for a lot of people in the eye is that projection in your spirit or your belief in the, the scenario to look real. So for, for Shinken Shobu, that, that feeling of a real fight is very hard to visualise a real fight without an opponent. And some people, when you watch the eye, you go, whoa, there's just something, there's this feeling itchy. And you believe it. You know there's not an opponent. You take part in the eye. You know how it works. 
But sometimes there's just a person catches the eye and they've just projected that belief that they think this is real. And in turn now, I believe it's real. So it's real. And I think that's quite a hard concept, AI in general. And it's a very, very simple concept, if you like. Look, there's your opponent, kill him. Or there's your opponent, you need to defeat him. Here's the scenario on paper. This opponent will do this. You will then do this. You win, type feel. So I've kind of taken how I feel and and my sort of mental analogy of my life personally and my fight with life and death and mix that in EI. So when I do kata, hopefully, very rarely to see myself do kata, but when when I do kata, then it it does seem believable that something physically is formed in front of me that that I'm reacting to and I'm not just swinging my sword through the air and, and doing the techniques technically correct. There has to be that for me. So that's something Dojo I'm quite heavily involved in with, with, with the students at Dojo is to, like, do you believe? And there may be an argument about like, why would I do that? And you go, oh, I don't know why you would do that because you need to, why would you do that? My scenario might not be your scenario. So you need to have that sort of conversation within yourself. And yeah, how can I believe this scenario would work? Like my and ZNKR, EI, it's pretty straightforward, get up, Nikitsuke Kiryoshi. But then if you dig deep into it, then look, what started this scenario? On paper, it says the opponent raises, etc., etc. But you must have something that happens for you then to basically believe the cat is happening. And when you get that spark and somebody sees that, or I see it at the dojo, like, oh, that, that was a really good cut. You, you believe that. And then they do it again and they've not got that same belief. Because they just try to replicate what they've done. It's very, very different in how it's done. So I very much try to use my experience to believe every single kata. Obviously, when you're just learning maybe a new kata or a different technique, you'll have that that stage of learning the movements, etc. But when you're comfortable and you've got an idea of it, then you need to try find that, that pathway, if you like, within the restrictions of the kata to make it look believable believe it yourself, and then feel that it's real. That's something that I, I was actually explaining to one of my students a couple of weeks back, but how can you basically show that you have been attacked from just standing still, for instance? It's very hard to believe you've been attacked or show fear's probably not the best word for it, but show that that feeling of something's about to happen. And that that's, that's very much a big thing for me and AI is these if you like, nitty-gritty parts. Technically, great. We've all got manuals, we've all got sensei, we've all got a lot of people around about us that can show and physically sometimes put us in positions to understand that physical aspect, but this, the spiritual and mental aspect of it has to be you. Everybody's character is very, very different. Uh, in EI, many, many people do EI, and it looks very smooth, very peaceful, if you like, and it's graceful. Then I've watched the eye that's combat. You can tell that it's real. They believe that, and it looks less graceful, if you like. But it also has a very different projection. That kigurai, that flavour, each person's flavour, but the, the, the character shines through. That, that's something again that I always quite heavily try and influence in the dojo. Each person's different. If I look like I'm angry when I'm moving for a kata doesn't mean you need to look like that. That would then be artificial for you. If you feel that it's more, it should be more graceful for you or you'll not really get that kind of spirit, you need to find that within yourself. And then although we're, we're learning the same techniques, etc., in the dojo, you can look and start to see each person's character come through. 
and, and that's great for me because I know that I, I really try and put as much of my character into the AI as possible and then see other people or other sensei and stuff like that that I've seen. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. There's something there that's really captivated me. Or if you watch Taikai, for instance, at European Championships, watching there's maybe six matches on the floor and just one person just bang catches your eye. You're like, wow. You might not even have seen the whole technique, but there's something that's just captivated that part of your imagination where now you're really taken aback by what's happening. So I personally, my, my journey, my, my personal battles, etc., I really try and influence that in AI and treat it as real, very, very real, so that then I feel that I've gained something from each and every kata that I've done, rather than it becoming that robotic Keiko and you're just going through kata or you're just repeating cut after cut. There has to be a, a certain degree of belief in each and every movement for it to feel so it feels real, and then I think once it feels real, then you have a different feeling coming back from that, and then that's when I, I notice a lot of people's eye starts to raise, the level starts to go up, and their belief within themselves starts to go up, which is obviously majorly important that each and every person believes in what they're doing, has that, that feeling that gaining something from it, or like we'd said, you become, that block comes up, and you feel like you're just stuck. And that's a slippery slope. You can either just plow through it or find a way to try and overcome it, or you can be stuck. And a lot of people then tend to just drift away from AI or it's very much a hard thing for people when you get there. So it's always good myself as a teacher, being able to try and influence a way for people to try and believe in what they're doing so that then these blocks become a lot less. You always get it when you maybe learn a new technique and you go like that can he get this cut or my leg's not moving in the correct way or something's not right. But if you believe you can do it, eventually you will do it. And then it's that sort of belief system that I try and put in each and every cat that I believe what is happening. So then I can react to what I'm picturing is happening. And then hopefully that projects to other people within the dojo or on a competitive floor and stuff that something is actually happening here. It's, it's very hard to show that in AI, I find. So I, I'm quite lucky in a way that I see AI be a bit a different sort of version, which has been quite enlightening for me in a lot of ways. It's been hard in itself because you can become very much single-minded sometimes and you do need to basically keep your, your horizons open so that you can take different things and make it work for everybody. But yeah, it's it's been interesting having that sort of outlook and how to use that and and AI as best I can for myself and then obviously for my students that I teach. Well, I think it definitely is so motivational for people to see that, especially coming as a teacher for any student, that when they say you can do this and they believe in you, it's usually something that, oh yeah, that's just what teachers say. But when, when you have the kind of background and the kind of challenges that you've had to overcome, people are like, No, this guy is speaking from personal experience. And if he can do something as bad as that, what am I to complain about whatever minor challenges I've had in my life? So it it definitely lends a great weight to the words that you're sharing. So I I think that what you you said so far today has been great. And I can't wait to share with the rest of the audience. So thank you so much. Not a problem at all, not a problem. I'm, I'm happy to share my experiences, my story. And if it helps anybody or they just like to listen, then that's fine by me. But I, I very much like, as I say, that sort of giving back 
is becoming more and more for me at the moment and I then I'm getting a lot from it because I feel like I'm returning the favour almost because I've had so much from EI, my teachers and just most every single person I've met has been something that you've kind of like gelled, we're in it for a different reason, we're in it for a different thing but each and every person there's a different feeling and, and it, it then creates this bigger scale of EI that you can get to see and you get to feel that. So even when, like, as I say, if somebody like, comments on a Facebook post, like, oh, great, Robert, how are you? That's, that's amazing. I'm like, oh, I've met this person once and we can continue this friendship forever. So socially, mentally, physically, EI has, has became just a massive, massive part of my life and potentially saved my life as well. Obviously, physically, maybe not, but mentally definitely has put me in a, a really stable place where I have a fallback always to go back to EI and have that structure, if you like, to try and fix myself. And I, f- I find that if that sort of feeling goes towards anybody else, that would be trying to f- have that basis of what EI is to you and always having that there as a, as a fallback when times get bad or you've had a bad day or just in general you're maybe not feeling great, you can go to the dojo, you can have that enjoyment, you can get rid of that stress and you can vent it off and, and your teachers, your friends, your students, etc. They're there. So always, always have that social structure because it's very important for everybody that they work together as a, as a family unit. Yeah, it's a very much family thing for me. Everybody that I, I meet, I will always then treat like a family member. Like yourself, I've never met physically, we've met just now, and I will happily speak to you anytime, anywhere. Maybe hopefully one day share some practice together. You never know. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Cool. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is available on most common podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Remember to subscribe to not miss out on new interviews as they are posted. We're always looking for feedback to improve, so please write us a review or drop us a line at podcast at tokushikai.ca or on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada. Until next time, thanks for listening.